Hey, what's good, ladies and gentlemen? It is your man, B. Vaughn, here with another interview segment here on We Create Music TV. Glad that you're able to tune in and then join us tonight for talking with Fugitive Moods. He is a singer, songwriter, and a producer, and we're here to get really into his business and all about him tonight. So let's give a warm welcome to Fugitive Moods. Man, welcome. Welcome to the show. I am so glad that you're here. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. I'm super excited to just learn more about you, uh, to share you with our uh, audience, and to just really dive into, uh, you know, who you are as a creative. Definitely. Let's do it. Let's do it. So if you can just start us off by just walking us through your musical journey. How did you get started? Uh, kind of give us some background about you and... Yeah, I'm super excited to learn more. Absolutely. Well, so I'm based out of New Mexico, and I, I grew up in New Mexico, and that's where I started uh, my whole musical journey and, and where I still am. Um, you know, I, I came in through kind of a, well, maybe not a back door, a sideways door. Uh, I started um, writing um, in the 90s. You know, I was... Uh, really kind of just immersed in in hip-hop and you know i was i was crazy about being a dj mm. um and really wanted to get into that but you know as it goes for a teenage kid in the 90s with no money and broke in new mexico uh there wasn't quite the uh, budget for technique 1200s at the time so i started writing you know and um one thing led to another i mean i was just on that path uh, and naturally I gravitated toward making beats at, um, you know, at, at some point around them. Uh, and really, I think why I say I came in through a sideways door is I had just no background in music whatsoever. Mm. Um, not just like, you know, any kind of training on an instrument mm -hmm. or, um, you know, bandit school or anything. Um, I, I didn't even grow up in a house with music, you know, I was raised by single mom she it she's like kind of an anomaly in the universe like she doesn't listen to music it's the weirdest <laughs> it's the weirdest thing so i didn't i didn't even i wasn't really exposed to anything and and you know i got into hip-hop in the 90s i mean obviously you know it is the the kind of uh you know transformative music of my generation i would say mm -hmm. and i was just swept away by you know, main, mainly East Coast stuff at the time, you know, Tribe Called Quest, De La, Jungle Brothers, whatever, you know, and like The Roots, stuff like that. Um, and that's all I knew, really. I was just, you know, into that and whatever was on the radio. And that was pretty much my musical universe. Um, and then I, th I think one of the big breakthroughs for me after I started writing raps and, you know, I was, I was freestyling and getting into ciphers and stuff. Um, is, you know, I'd, I'd gotten a hold of an old four track recorder, like an old tape mm -hmm. recorder, you know, and, uh, and a, a sampler, a Zoom ST224 for any of the producers out there who might be interested. It's uh, an incredible little sampler um, that I got my hands on uh, in the late 90s and, and started making beats. And, and one thing that I knew to do about music was to sample vinyl records. 
right, you know, that's, right. that's, that's, all, that's, a, that's about all I knew was, you know, you, you dig vinyl, you find some drum breaks, you loop some stuff, you put it together. Mm-hmm. And I had been getting into, into kind of independent hip hop at that time because, you know, I think recording technology was starting to shift groups like, um, you know, I'd say a really important one at the time was probably Living Legends uh, in California. They were doing it all themselves on four tracks, dubbing tapes, selling it out of their, you know, the trunk of their car, going on tour, going on tour in Europe, all this stuff that was crazy. Wow. Um, and uh, so, you know, I just started down that path. And, and I'd say the big, the big interesting part of that experience was a lot of my music education came from the vinyl records. And, you know, I, I don't know how into vinyl you are, but certainly in the 90s, it, it wasn't as um, popular or in vogue as it is today. Mm-hmm. And people were just giving this stuff away. You know, and mm-hmm. you go to any thrift store around the corner and you find 25 cent records, everything from like classic rock to country to jazz to, you know, esoteric Turkish drum music or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it was I started acquiring records to sample. And I thought in my mind at the time, it's like I didn't want to do it the same way that necessarily everybody else had done it. And so I was looking for really obscure cuts, you know, especially for the sound base. And um, and that's really what turned me on to all sorts of different genres. I mean, you know, you go through the list. It's like like I was just saying, country, jazz, blues, rock, classic rock, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, um, Broadway show tunes, whatever. Uh, and I just started listening to the music and it, and it really changed. It changed everything those vinyl records for me uh and the more i dug the more interested i became um just in the history the culture of not just any particular genre of music um but kind of the the real the real history of the human experience that was cataloged in those 12 inch vinyls right um and and you know back then it was so it was before computer um based production right and so it was really really analog and i was just experimenting like crazy you know i I, you might see a bass back here this is Mm -hmm. let me see if i get it right this one bam that little old squired bass you know uh, my my partner at the time my music partner um his dad had given him and i just plugged it into the sampler and started playing bass lines just trying to figure out what was going on and little by little I accumulated this base of knowledge about sound and theory and dynamics and mm. arrangement and um, and style you know from every imaginable kind of music and right. I think when I was getting this most recent record together because um, this is my first solo debut it's a real departure from some of my hip hop roots uh, and in, in terms of kind of the way that I've approached it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I really, as I was reflecting on just how I got there, I think a lot of it really had to do with that exploration that, you know, in the, the universes of music on those 12 inch vinyl records. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a, you know, kind of a roundabout way to get in where I am <laughs> now. 
Um, you know, but, but my, my longtime associate, Bless Infinite, uh, of my former group, you know, we had, we had very, I don't know, may, maybe naively started a, a group here, a duo, the two of us. Um, and, you know, in New Mexico at the time, in the kind of early 2000s, um, there wasn't a tremendous, you know, rap scene or hip hop scene, right. if you could imagine. You know, it was it's mm -hmm. kind of the middle of nowhere in Albuquerque. And and even at the time, a lot of opportunities were pretty limited. A lot of the clubs here, um, you know, they, they weren't going to give really any rap group a chance to perform. They just they, there was a lot of bad associations with the genre in the city. And so, you know, us with a handful of people who were just super motivated you know started putting together shows little shows and little spots and little back alley like not even clubs or bars or anything at the time just like really diy underground shows and you know little by little the scene started here and um you know we just got a, a lot of experience throwing shows and putting those events together and one thing led to another and jump cut you know, 20 years later, <laughs> as crazy as that is to say, right, you know, right. It's, it, it's, it's a lot more vibrant now, you know, and a lot of mm -hmm. uh, young talent has come up and had better, better venues, better foundation to uh, kind of develop and grow. Um, and, you know, I think somewhere along the line, I really discovered a voice for myself outside of rapping you know, mm -hmm. and because um, I really didn't have any idea <laughs> about how to do music. Um, and uh, as I as I was experimenting more and more, I found something in my voice and, you know, kind of moved, moved toward that something, something was drawing me there. So over the years, I kind of kept experimenting and kept challenging myself. And, and he here we end up with this, this new album you know, mm. self-titled Fugitive Moods. And, and I honestly, I couldn't be prouder of it. You know, mm -hmm. if I had to wait 20 years and do it all over again, I'd do it. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. You know, because it's, it's a good thing when your, your first work kind of embodies who you are as an individual and experiences that you've been going through. I mean, so how did you come up with the name Fugitive Moods? Well, um, so <laughs> that's, a, that's a good uh, question. It's, it's actually a reference to um, an H.P. Lovecraft um, story. Not that I'm a huge Lovecraft fan. Are you familiar with Lovecraft at all? No, not so much. So it's, it, I'm, I'm, I'm not even that big a fan, but a friend of mine had given me this book. And basically the idea was this, this person is exploring the mountains of madness. And um, they, they come upon this ancient horror or whatever. And, and there's this, you know, at some point the, the author is describing that experience and he couples these couple words, fugitive moods. And it struck me, it was like a hammer, you know, because I was reinventing myself after, you know, 20 years releasing uh, albums uh, and, uh, you know, doing all this stuff in, in my former group touring, you know, around the US and Europe, I had to reinvent myself, my life had changed uh, around 2016. And with that change was a, a complete kind of change in my identity. 
And so I was, I was looking for something that I identified with. And, you know, I had gone through such an upheaval uh, in my personal life and, and in my music career, you know, everything kind of fell apart. It all got derailed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there was um, just all sorts of circumstances that led to really, you know, the, the two most important things to me, my, my, my career in music and, uh, and my family kind of falling apart. And I had mm-hmm. to rediscover something else. And I felt um, I was, honestly scared you know i was really scared i I didn't know um i really didn't know what the future was going to be like i I didn't know if i would write another song or if i would really even i mean i was struggling day day in and day out to get on my feet and and raise my kids Mm. honestly and um i you know i i had come across this line and the way that it was described that the fugitive like the the um kind of outside of the norm or outside of the laws or the bounds of, you know, reality in a lot of ways. And, and the, the kind of moodiness or depth and sincerity of feeling that I was feeling and trying to put into my music. Um, it just really, it synthesized and it made total sense to me. And, and uh, yeah, that's how, that's how I got, that's how I got here. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, I think the I think the great creatives have all gone through just something crazy in their lives, right? I mean, whether it's dealing with family tragedy, uh, you know, just maybe just the things that they themselves go through on a personal basis. I think we all go through something crazy. You know, this this world is crazy, and and I don't, I don't mean that in a in a term of you know literal craziness. It's just Things happen, and sometimes you may not understand why those things happen. Sometimes those things are that happen are made to build us up stronger. You know, I remember I, I went through a period of being, uh, and people who watch the show they they kind of know this. Uh, I went through a period of of homelessness, and you know, having a wife and two young kids and a baby on the way, and sleeping in you know our jeep and sleeping in in abandoned houses and just trying to put a roof over our head. And it was it was tough to deal with. But I firmly believe that the things that we go through is meant to make us to make us stronger, is to help us to reshape who we are as as people and to really learn from those things so that we can grow. You know, I, I, I don't I don't know if I ever tell anybody, you know, I'm sorry that you went through the things that you've gone through. I think those things and I think you probably can probably can you know, agree with that, that even the things that you've gone through yourself have made you a stronger individual, made you a stronger creative as well. Absolutely. I think that that sentiment really underlines not just, you know, my work as a creative person or as a, as a musician, but just as a human being. As a human being. I think, yeah, I think that, you know, sometimes, and, and just to, just to, reiterate or echo what you said it's you know I, I think a lot of creative people are maybe able to channel some of that experience mm. but we all go through it and mm-hmm. that's what that's the real transcendent piece there is that you know somehow for for one reason or another you know creative people are led down certain paths either with music or or visual art or poetry or what, whatever it may be 
Um, and they're able to translate some of that human experience into something that we can understand even on a deeper level because words don't always really do it, you know? Right. I mean, when, when you talk about your own experience, you know, of homelessness with a family, I don't know if there's any words that can articulate the kind of, you know, fear or uncertainty mm. or, you know, pressure that you mm -hmm. feel during those moments. And, and somehow it's that, that art and that creativity, that outlet that helps to maybe articulate and for some of us express that. You right. Know? Um, and I think it's really, really powerful. And, and I do want to say that I don't think that it's, it is, it, I think that sometimes there is this conflation for great art that somehow like great artists are at the edge of sanity, which can be true with exception, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. some of the greatest, art, right. but, you know, borderline nuts. But, right. Um, but I think that's not everybody. And I think the truth is that we all go through tremendously difficult experiences. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that is not just fuel for creative work. Um, but like you said, it's, it really is the basis for how we grow. It's not even like, oh, if we learn from the obstacles, it's really how we how? learn from it. Th that's right. You know? That's right. It's, it's really how we learn from those, those situations that take place. And then what do we do based upon what we've, what we've learned, right? You know, you know, there's the saying is knowledge is power. You know, okay. But if I have knowledge and do nothing with it, I mean, what good is that knowledge if I don't really execute on it? And so kind of the same things apply. Like I can learn various types of things throughout my life, but if I don't ever apply what I've learned to my situation, to my ability to be a creative, to my family, to helping other individuals, then it really means, for me, it really means nothing just because I've learned this, I've learned that. But if I don't execute on it, then what good is it really going to do myself or anybody that I come in contact with if I'm not executing properly and putting those things into action? Yeah, it's almost like the suffering is for nothing, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. I think that that's, I think that ultimately we're all gonna encounter that suffering and it's almost our responsibility to learn from it and apply it like you're saying. That's right. And, you know, I think that that's, it, it's, it's so great. I, I feel like this is just exactly the right conversation to have because with this project, it really, it really is about that. It's not so much mm -hmm. in the content itself, which there is some of that, but it's in the process mm. of experiencing, overcoming and, and kind of growing uh, with grace and, and growing into a, into even a, a a better version of oneself mm -hmm. than, than you could have really ever imagined. Um, that's right. And, and I think that that's, you know, we kind of got started here with the, with the name and, you know, right. I, don't, I don't know, I don't know how much that it, it, it services the conversation, but I think that um, this, this idea that we're talking about is so fundamental to kind of everybody's experience in the world that, I feel like if I'm able uh, in, in the music to even channel a little bit of that sentiment, a little bit of that learning, a little bit of that understanding 
and mm-hmm. share it with with you or or you know one person 10 people as as few or as many as i can it's it's like uh, i feel like i'm i'm servicing that experience and and utilizing um utilizing that experience and that suffering in a positive way mm, that's right you know so so since we've been talking about some of those things let me ask you so what motivates you as as a creative like where do you find your motivation where do you find your inspiration your muse for for the work that you create uh it's you know i think that it's really in that human condition you know it's love and loss and and injustice and and you know uh suffering and um the all the all the beautiful things that we can experience in this life and and all of the horrible things Mm. i think it's all right there it's all right before us kind of every day and in more or less quantity and so i I really find uh the muse there i i i don't um i don't personally project too much you know i feel Mm. like i channel something and not like i'm some you know soothsaying sage it's just really when i feel like my creative process is at its best that i'm kind of submitting to the muse and just allowing it to to communicate through me and part of that is my experience and part of that is my technique and my craft that i've cultivated you know for decades that helps facilitate that but ideally it's it's not a self-serving process. Mm. You know, I, I always think it's interesting, uh, you know, what you just said, as far as you let it speak through you and to exude itself, you know, from from that position. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, and I know a lot of artists and, and writers and songwriters and sometimes things sometimes are forced. It's like, OK, let me go to the studio today and let me sit there and really try to figure out how to just write songs and let me stay in a, in a studio for 20 hours and, you know, really just be here and i think a lot of what happens in music happens outside of the studio space that human experience the human condition and engaging with nature and with other people and just being a witness to the things that are happening in society i think those things give way to kind of what you said like the, the the more creative aspect of of music I don't know how creative I can be sitting in the studio 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's just me and this computer and no really human interaction, human needs. I don't really know what's going on in the world to kind of tell, you know, the story that I really want to tell. I think experiencing those. Yeah. I I, I 100% agree. I I think that there's, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things as a creative person, there's a fine balance, you know, between craft and, and inspiration. You know, I think we were talking about the early days of of at least my musical journey. And I can say 100% that I was not any good to start with. You know, I had to work really hard and fail right. a ton of times before I figured anything out. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, but I knew somewhere in there, in that experience, I had a vision, right? I knew what was possible. So I kind of went through the motions and I did long stints in the studio and and I did the work to maybe write songs that were more like servicing the the needs of the recording session in that moment or Mm. um, whatever. So that when the time came and that that inspiration was really there um, in in the most sincere way that I could 
make the best use of, of it as possible. You know, and, and that's where I think this, this, this newest project for me, it really does feel like the culmination of that vision from when mm -hmm. I was a teenager, you know, just writing raps and really having no idea what I was doing to making beats and exploring <laughs> right. all these new, right. you know, fascinations with music and, and not having the skill, not having the technique, but showing up again and again mm -hmm. and again and again despite the failures, you know, and, and we all know in, in music, I mean, if you're not good with rejection, if you're not good with people not liking it, you, right. you, you're going to have a really hard time. And that's mm -hmm. why most people hang up their guitar or, or, or put it down because mm -hmm. it's not easy. But if you show up again and again and again and again, you know, there is going to be those windows where that, that opportunity is is before you you know mm. and i think that this this record for me is is like i said you know it's it really is the culmination of that and if i had to go through all of it again you know and i will spare the listeners you know the <laughs> details but i would do it because right looking back and knowing what i know now and knowing that i will face more challenges Mm. You know, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't take away anything if it's if it's what led me here to this moment today. Right. Yeah, that's 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 good. That's that's perfect. You know, because, you know, so so you've said several times that when you got into this whole music thing, you didn't really know anything about the whole music stuff. Right. So, so what did you do to to kind of learn that and to prepare yourself to to be a creative um it's a great question i think there's so many things i think the real i i, I often tell people that they're that, that it it almost requires a certain foolishness you know mm. because i think that had i been aware of my own uh you know, failures in style and execution, you know, looking back in some of the things that I made, had I been aware how bad it really sucked what I was doing, I, I don't know if I would have continued because I knew that there was something better possible. Um, because, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's trial and error. It's failure. It's it's bad recordings. It's bad songs. It's bad beats. Mm -hmm. It's bad, you know, it's, it's bad notes. It's bad shows. Man, mm. I've, I've fallen off stage, you know, which is like horrifying. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's just going through those experiences. So needless to say, I always watch where my feet are and where the chords mm -hmm. are on a stage now. Um, but, uh, you know, it's 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 just showing up with that. I, I, I say it tongue in cheek, the foolishness. But what I what I really mean by that is the dedication. Right. You know, if you if you believe in something, if you have a vision, you're not going to get it right at first. You're not, no creative that's... person does. You know. And no creative uh, person and does. Just, yeah, right. Yeah, you just got to keep showing up. Yeah, you know, I, I think sometimes we, from what I see, I personally think sometimes that we live in a generation where, and it's no knock against the, the new generation. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is that I think that there is the propensity to identify that whatever they're working on is automatically going to be at its highest level. 
it is automatically going to be great and not really understanding that there are some things that may happen. The song may not be the best song as possible. You know, it, the beat may suck. Uh, the writing may, it, it could be whatever it turns out to be. But I think it's, it's the propensity to kind of think now that if I make this song, if I go into the studio, whatever I work on now is going to be the best thing that anybody's ever heard in the history of music. And, and sometimes it's not. And they have well, to... <laughs> they, they, yeah, right. usually it isn't. I mean, we, usually we've been it isn't. For, for, for long enough, you know, I think, right. you know, most, if not every single person I know have, has never, you know, charted on, on like the Billboard Top 40, right? Like, you know, and, right. but I would say this, though, to defend the, the next generation, because I think there was probably a bit of that in me. You know, it's like this belief for it. That's kind of what I'm talking about with the foolishness. Right. I really thought this kind of like obscure um, Turkish sample was going to blow people's mind <laughs> in the 90s. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like people were going to be like, oh, man, this this guy really knows what he's doing. Um, but, you know, it was it was a bit of that foolishness thinking that it, it actually could be something that led me to the next thing that led me to the next thing. You know, and I think that even though I think what kind of throws it off now is back mm. then you really had the work to share it. Whereas mm -hmm. now you you can really create something and five minutes later yeah. have it live. And yeah. I think that that expectation is out of line. Like, you know, my, my where I come from, we were, we, you know, the first the first album I released, I was I mean, I call it an album. It was it was like 20 songs, but we were literally dubbing two albums on a boom box right, <laughs> right? Yeah, so I get, it, you know it was it was like a 45 minute a side and a 45 minute b side wow dubbing it on like on tapes yeah radio shack of course i remember you know? that and so so like that was labor intensive we'll mm -hmm. say. so there wasn't immediate gratification there wasn't right. that immediate feedback or really right. even that culture of of creative people, I think that now, with the tools at the disposal and the instantaneous publishing potential, mm -hmm. everybody's a creative. But really, when you have to sit there and listen live and dub your tape, that kind of cuts most people out of that process. Right. Most people aren't going to do that. No. You know. Right. And right. So I think that we have a lot more, a lot more people that are engaged in the work and have very. Um, disparate expectations about mm -hmm. what can come of it. Now, I think that there's two sides to that. And there's, there's a good and a bad side, like with everything, right? The good side is that I think we're actually really living through a golden era of, you know, recorded music. I think some of the music coming out now because there's so much access, because there's so much that, um, you know, I think that there's there's so many more people with an opportunity, you know, um, people like myself. I mean, I didn't really have an opportunity. I had to create it, but not everybody gets that chance. You know, not every not everybody is foolish enough to just proceed without, without thinking <laughs> twice right. about it. And, and now right. so we get we have a lot of people engaged in, it, which is great. The bad part is, you know, well, there is a lot of garbage out there. You know, mm. with the with mm -hmm. the good comes the bad. There's a lot of people thinking they're doing something amazing, 
And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be the one to tell them, but I'm, anyway. <laughs> I'm not going to be the one to tell them. <laughs> you know, so, so that's what I was talking about, right? Like I said, so in the beginning when I said there's no knock against the, the newer generation, you know, and, and to clarify, to clarify my statement, I'm not saying that I want anybody that's out there who's making music to not think that your music is the best music that you're making. But I think there's a reality that once you start getting that feedback and once you start understanding, you know, just the ins and outs of, of music and what works, what doesn't, I'm not saying there's rules to it, but some music is not, is, is some music is just whack. Right. And even when they get that feedback, they're like, no, nah, man, it's still the hottest stuff that I've ever heard in my life. And it's like, to me, that right there is 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 what I'm talking about. The person who's not be able, is not able to take the feedback and, and the criticism to learn from it and to make what they do better. They just automatically think that whatever the music I still got is still going to be the hottest, <laughs> the hottest stuff that's out there. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, though, that I think that there's some weird parallel between you know, like nature and maybe the music in that mm. I think natural selection will kind of like <laughs> eventually. Yeah, it, it happens. You know, mm -hmm. It happens. You can, only, you can only ride that way for so long. Right. Um, without, without actually listening to the feedback and trying to improve. That's right. That that's absolutely right. So man, I, you know what? I want to spend the time that we got talking about this debut album. So, I'm look. This is this is what I'm going to say. One, I appreciate you sending. That's right, everybody. I got exclusive listenage. Is that a word? Is that a word? Listenage. But if it's not, I made it up. But that's I was able to listen into listen to the entire Fugitive Moods album today. Oh, so so. Before I ask you about the music and and the creation process and all that stuff. You remind me of like, as soon as I as soon as I heard these walls, I was like, oh man, this sounds just like like Portugal the man, that type of vibe. It had it had that vibe. I was like, this is like a Portugal the man vibe right here. And then I was like, and then when I heard the album today, I was like, oh, this is like that John Bellion type vibe too. Like, oh man, like just that real instrumentation. Still has that hip hop feel. I can still tell through some, I'll let you talk about the whole thing. But my impression was, as I was listening to you, I was like, oh, I can still, he got them hip hop drums still in there. There's still a lot of soul that's built into it. There's a lot of, um, I don't, I don't know if the word I want to use is eclectic, but yeah, it's, 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 it's an album. It's, and there's not many albums that I listen to and I go, oh yeah, this, this is an album. So, so talk to us about your debut album, Fugitive Moods, and your concept behind the album itself. Well, I first let me let me let me just say thank you. I mean, I, I think getting any good, you know, reference point is really helpful because sometimes, you know, the, what is the the cliche? You can't tell the forest from the trees, right? Mm -hmm. it's like I'm so so steeped in it. I have no no idea what it even sounds like anymore, honestly. And you, mm. you touched on the eclecticness of it, and I think that that is a fair word. You know, I, I think in in some of my 
press materials, you know, we're using genre bending or mm-hmm. um, whatever, and it and it is under and you you nailed it because this is how I see it is it it's it's fundamentally they're they're hip hop beats for sure and, for sure and then there's all these other influences that kind of build on mm-hmm. that foundation uh, of beat making that legacy of like basement beat making style right production. A lot of loops, but organic instrumentation, you know. Right. Um, and so you really nailed it there, and and you and then saying that it really feels like an album is is maybe maybe the the greatest compliment, you know, sincerely, um, because you know I spoke about my uh, my love of of twelve inch vinyl mm-hmm. and um, the experience that you have in music, and I think that people returning to that format lately it really indicates that there is something important about the experience that somebody has with an artist and and how an album begins mm-hmm. how it progresses and how it ends and um that's really important to me really important that it's not just a collection of singles yep you know and that it is um not just an attempt to gain as much attention with a with one song or or another that it really worked cohesively and and one of the really exciting pieces about this album and and i think something that maybe you know other creatives out there might be interested in was a a a change in the way that i approached um my own kind of mindset when I came to make the record, which was, I, I you know, I, like I said, I, I talked about my past a bit, you know, I, I released a, a bunch of records and, and, you know, toured all over the U S and in Europe and like, we were doing great. And, and, um, but it, it felt like we were always reaching for something like reaching for, uh, the next, you know, big step forward, which, isn't a bad thing, but it can get, oh man, it can get difficult. You know, there's just so many obstacles before you. And when I right. had to go through this process to, to reinvent myself, to understand kind of my life as it had changed after this major, major um, kind of breakdown, uh, I, I, I had to reevaluate what was important to me. And it was really, really important that I never had any of my music on vinyl. And I talked to you, you know, I, I mean, it's, it, I, when I thought mm-hmm. about it, I didn't, I didn't think, well, I wanna be on the magazine cover, or I want 500 people at the record release, or I want, you know, I really wanted tw- a 12 inch, period. Black, 180 gram, 12 inch vinyl record. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I prioritized. And so I went about making the record that I wanted to make. And so, you know, when you listen to it, even streaming, there is an arc, you know, an ebb and a flow and a, and a, and, or at least what I hope the listener experiences is a, is as a momentum and a sequence and, and kind of an emotional cascade that you arrive, you know, to the side B and then the end. Um, and so I did that very intentionally. And then because of that, kind of personal investigation and, and putting that kind of dream of mine. I mean, and it's not, it's not an exaggeration to say it was a dream to have my music on vinyl. 
Um, I, I really designed it that way. So the length, the kind of number of tracks, um, and then, uh, you know, I was, um, I, I was determined to do it. So I did a very kind of, uh, small scale pre-order, which didn't, you know, it wasn't about making the biggest splash and the biggest, you know, uh, mm -hmm. pre-order for a limited edition vinyl. And so I was able to do that. And so the vinyl is currently in production, wow. which is like, it's a total, it's a total dream come true for me, you know? Yeah. Bravo. Um, and, and yeah. And, and I think that the, I think that, that, you know, we can get to the process stuff in a second, but there, there is this business component too, mm. you know, it's like, and I think that it's really important. I know a lot of creative people struggle with, you know, kind of how to monetize their work. And, right. I, and sometimes I think that that's the wrong question to ask. Like there's this weird, you know, world in which you become a megastar and a millionaire, but that's not the real world for most people. Right. You know, most people have to work for their money and, mm -hmm. and creative people are no different. And you have, you, you want to be able to be engaged with work that's, that's, that means something to you. And when your values are out of line with, with what you're actually doing, it gets really hard to do the work. And so for me, you know, like I said, it wasn't about a hundred thousand streams on Spotify. I did a hundred records. And if that's, you know, that, that was more important. So I prioritized that. And by doing that, I got so much more value out of the process and actually was able to access a creative process that was more in line with kind of my values, you know? And, um, and when it came to the design, the actual kind of, you know, sonic piece, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the album from start to finish, that is, you know, that was just a very carefully crafted, um, exercise that I had already been engaged with since, you know, the late nineties, I had always been thinking about the, the track orders and how, how the listener experiences that because I think I was lucky enough to come into music before streaming. Mm. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I think now, you know, we're finding that, that, that value that the listener gets is not just the instantaneous kind of rush of a good hook or the, 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 the feeling of that, that, that one song people are coming back to vinyl cause they're seeing that that experience and that relationship is actually mm -hmm. an important, uh, an important facet to the, their musical experience as a listener. And so I know that's a lot, that's a, a whole no, lot that's to, perfect. To, to drop, but I mean, that's, that's how I think about it. You know, that's, that's perfect because the way that I connect with an artist is by listening to an album. Because for me, the album tells their story. It tells their journey. It, 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 it should be cohesive. I should know in the beginning, it, right? So it kind of tells that story. And it, like you said, it has that ebbs and, and flows. Singles to me are just, you know, and that's what I can tell about this album that is not an album just full of singles, as most albums are, right? So we, I forgot who I was talking to, but we live now in a single dominated world where it's like, let me just drop a single. 
okay, let me drop another single. And it's like, but there's no cohesiveness to them. It's just, here's one song and it sounds completely different, or it may sound the same, but there's no connectivity, no connectedness to those songs. And when I listen to this album, I can tell that there's a connectedness. There is a, 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 a symmetry between all of the different, the different songs. And I love the way that they've, that they've uh, just the flow of them, you know, when it goes, I'm, I'm looking at, at, at the album here, but the way that it goes from, you don't mind me naming the, the, the tracks, do you? Okay. No. So as it, how it goes from a whisper away and then it leads to, you know, to break me down, but even from a whisper away until I got through breaking me down and then into halt, I was like, oh, okay. I can kind of hear just the sonics and the story that's being told. And then when I got to 10,000 Sons, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. And it was like, it, it just caught me off guard with, with what, um, I don't know who, who the, the, the um, person is saying, what they were saying. I don't want to give it away of what they were saying, but it kind of, it kind of like was a, oh, but then when it went from a 10,000 Sons into these walls, I was like, oh, wow. It was just a bridge of how it just flowed. And then from there to back to Barcelona. And so I can tell you now that my, my favorite so far in the song, and I've only listened to it once, but these walls, uh, I love back to Barcelona. I love the feel of back to Barcelona. I love what you were doing on your Instagram when you were doing just the instrumental playing of back to Barcelona. I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's awesome. But then again, I can't play a single instrument, but I love live instrumentation. And I love, I love the, the strings on, at the end of these walls, I just love the strings. I was like, oh man, it just had that vibe. It had that, like I said, it, it reminded me of like John Bellion or like AJR, right? And so to kind of have that uh, still hip hoppy type feel, but with that live instrumentation, those live strings, I'm sitting here doing this, like those live <laughs> strings and, and, and piano, uh, and violin and bass and uh, just all those elements. But I can tell you, these walls, back to Barcelona, uh, perfect, uh, perfect as you is, and uh, worried with love are just all those songs are great. But as soon as I heard those, I was like, wow, perfect as you is has a nice upbeat rhythm. I was like, oh, I like that. <laughs> so, 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 congratulations. The album is is uh, is very cohesive. It, and, and it takes you on a journey. And I think that's what's missing when I listen to albums today is they don't take me on a journey. I think the last album that I listened to that took me on a journey was outside of people that I know. All right. So outside of uh, there's a my cousin, Superstar Six, who's an artist outside of maybe his album that he needs to release, uh, which is coming. And um, a friend of mine, Jay West, his album, which is awesome. Most albums, I think the last album that I really connected with was J. Cole's 2014 Forest Hill Drives album because it told a story. It told a story about his life, his journey, and it just connected me. There's a lot of songs that I could resonate with on that album. And I think this album is going to resonate with a lot of people. And I, you know, I don't, people know me. I don't say stuff that I don't mean. I'm, I'll, tell, I'll tell people the truth like, oh, that was whack. You shouldn't do that. But this album... <laughs> has that cohesiveness, that connectedness, and I appreciated that. Well, I, 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 I deeply appreciate the, 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 the feedback. I mean, it, it really does mean the world to me. It's, it's what I set out to do, 
and you know the the fact that um, that you're able to connect with it that way is like it's like all right I've done it you know I I, I mean if it's if it's only you you know I've, I'm I'm it won't I'm be but. <laughs> you know um, but you know I wanted to remark about a couple things um, in there and and you you talk about the strings you know as we're mm -hmm. like air cellos right airs that's and, right air cellos and I just have to shout out. Um, Ted Graham, who is the cellist on there. I, I didn't play the cello parts. I'm not, you know, I, I play some instruments, none very well, but, um, you know, uh, he was, he came in late in the process. I had written a lot of string um, parts for the record um, and very, just through, you know, serendipity and chance, we, we met and started to collaborate and he, really added so much. He came with such strong ideas to the, the process um, and uh, just really changed the face of the record. The strings is always something I wanted, but uh, his, his participation and his input really just put it over, over the edge. You mentioned the, the last bit on these walls and that, that probably says it all, you know, it's just, it's, this it's just this beautiful this beautiful string arrangement so shout out to mm -hmm. ted um because he, he he killed it and he did um and i think that you know the the um the the ebb and the flow in that 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 the the album itself you know actually let me can i plug something real quick? yeah of course <laughs> because you know if if people you you've got the you've got the special access and the album will be coming out early next year but if any of the listeners out there are interested you know i am i still do have a small selection of that limited edition vinyl still available you can find it on my website um you know it's it, there's all sorts of bells and whistles with it but you get the the 12 inch pre-order and the full album in advance of the release next year Mm. Um, so, so people can check that out. And there's also a, a, a free EP with a limited selection in addition mm -hmm. to, uh, these walls, which is out everywhere now as the, as the first single. Um, but, you know, I think that the, like that, that, that flow and that story and everything that you remarked on is so critical and that's where to me it really intersects with this um you know for me it's it's really a a story of kind of overcoming those challenges and and the the album itself the real the thing represents it it is the living kind of m metaphor for overcoming that and you know i guess just a little side story um well it, I mean, I would say before I say this, that it's it's so deeply personal, like I'm so sincere about that experience that I really trust that the people who will get it, you know, will understand that. And the people who won't can get out of the way. You know, they can go, <laughs> they can listen to whatever else. I don't, right. I don't want them to hear it. But I, but I feel like people that, that will understand that the, the, the kind of totality of what I've tried and the sincerity for which I believe I've done it, um, 
that that it you know it will mean something to them and that's mm-hmm. that's that's essential to the experience is creating that relationship even if we don't know each other it's like creating that relationship between listener and musician and you know that's um as i when i step back to make this um that was so important to me and that you know the the little story i was going to tell is just about you know like i i guess a bit of the sincerity you know because it's it it really is something deeply personal and important to me and you know when i when i the the the, the album was finished and i i hadn't even really set a date to release these walls yet um i started the pre-order campaign or or i had the idea to do the 12 inch and and do this pre-order campaign and um my my brother i have a brother and his friend who had been in and around my music for forever you know kept bugging me he he just had access to some of the early demos and was like listen whenever you're ready i'll be the first one to buy the album i'll be the first one to buy the album so when it came time, I, I, you know, I told him, okay, you know, I'll, you'll be the first person I, I reach out to when it's ready. And I did that, you know, I, I honored that. And so I hit him up and said, listen, you know, I've got the link. It's live. It's ready to go. Um, you know, just do, do me a favor, test a couple things and, and buy the record. Cause I knew he was going to buy it. Um, and he did it. And I, and I didn't sell another one or I didn't even tell anybody that it was there for Mm. a couple more days because there was this this experience that i had it was physical and emotional you know it was deep that that i was like really letting it go you know it had started after this this huge change in my life this traumatic shift where i felt like i had lost everything Mm. and it and it went through all of these stages and all of these developments and all of these changes and and, and growth and evolution, not only just the music itself, but what was going on for me personally. And then when, when Miguel, you know, bought one and, and that link went out with the record, I, 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 I sincerely had to take a day and just collect myself before I told anybody else because mm. it, it really marked, you know, the next chapter. And, okay. I, and I hope that that next chapter, you know, um, means a lot more of connecting deeply with people and the music in a, in a meaningful way that brings value to both of our lives, mine mm. and yours. That's you right. Know? And I think that that's what an album at its best can do. And, and that's what I hope uh, that I hope I'm able to do with it. That's right. Well, I, I personally think you've accomplished it. And I and my hope is that when it, when it is released and everybody hears this body of work, that they'll feel the same and that they will have their own connectedness to this album as well. So, so for me, for me to you, bravo, because it was, it was great listening to it and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So yeah, it was, it was, it was fantastic. That's amazing to hear. It's, yep. It's, you know, it's kind of like I said, in the, in the, in the big picture of everything. And I, you know, I would say this actually for anybody listening who may be going through a hard time, you know, um, like that right there is proof that it's possible. 
And that all of those challenges, all of those experiences, you know, they, they add to a richness. And if you're able to go through it and not, it's not that you have to be perfect or do everything right or, you know, but, but learn from it and, and genuinely try to just grow and feel that, that, that it's possible. Cause what you just said, I mean, really the, the fact that you feel that way today is it's, you know, like I sincerely need nothing else. You know, if, if that's, mm -hmm. if that's all we can share together, then, then we've done it, you know? And, and I would say for anybody struggling through that, that there is, you know, those times, cause we're all going, we're all going through them. I mean, it's been a rough couple yeah, of that years. Right. Um, that, that, that it all, it all adds to a much bigger picture and a beautiful mm -hmm. tapestry. And those struggles are critical components, critical components to that. They're, they're, they are, I mean, I think that life is about the obstacles. Mm. You know, it's, it's about when you meet those obstacles and what you do when you meet them. Uh, and yeah, I just, it's, it's so fundamental right. to the story for me and this record that I just want to be able to share that with people. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I can't wait for the rest of the world to hear it when it drops. <laughs> So, yeah, that's going to that's gonna be awesome. So, you know, you started talking about, you know, for anybody who's listening, things that they can kind of take away from what, you know, you've experienced yourself and the things that you've gone through. So what would be some other things that you would tell anyone that's trying to get into this music industry? What would be a, a good piece of advice uh, for them? Um, if you're doing it for the money, don't be a musician. Um, you know, if you're doing it for the money, stop. Uh, you know, um, there's there tends to be this weird relationship between um, the 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 financial return that is possible and what actually is required to get there. And I think that we romanticize that a lot. And really on the, on the ground level, it's, you know, we, you, you got to put in the work, um, and, and, and believe in yourself and believe in the vision that you have and know that, um, you know, no matter how many, uh, failures, um, you'll face that it's possible. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting here, you know, I, I had a birthday recently um and i turned 40 happy belated thank Dang. you and you know I, if i would have if i could go back and like whisper or, or like speak to my teenage self who's like sitting there writing rhymes in my notebook that i would it would have taken me 25 years you know or however long mm -hmm. to 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 get to the point where I felt like I could actually see that vision through in its totality. Like, I, I don't know if I would have, I would believe it. Mm. And I, I think that maybe I would have thought it would have come quicker, but you know, I would say, you know, always be true to that, that creative vision. Um, listen to the muse and don't listen to the critics. And don't right. listen to to the trends, you know, listen to the muse. And, and I think that the, the people who 
are truly humble enough to, to know that it's not all about them are, are capable of making incredible, incredible music. Incredible. That's right. I love that. Let the muse speak. You know, so my wife's an author. And so she, in her writing journey, uh, one thing that she discovered was that she is not writing the characters. She had to realize that, that she's not writing the characters in the story. The characters are really writing themselves and telling her who they are as a character. And she had to really realize that. And I think the same thing really kind of, you know, portrays itself in the music creative space is allowing the music to speak, not the critics, not your friends, not whoever they may be, but for the music to tell you that this is how it should turn out and that the lyrics tell you that this is how it should be versus, you know, your homeboys, homegirls, whoever, like homeboys, I haven't used homeboys in forever, but, all right, <laughs> you know, for those people to tell you that this is what it is or even trends, like you said. So I think that's a great, a great piece of advice. Allow the music to, to shape itself and to tell you that this is how it should be. I love that. And for me as a producer, because people know I produce too, right? So they, they know. You, you may not know that, but people who watch the show know that I still press pads and still make beats, even though I can't play, you know, instruments and strings and stuff. I got people who could do that, but I can't, I can't do it. You know, so, so I will say this as we get ready to close out. And I'm going to have to go back and listen to this song because um, I want to I wanna really, really hear it, which is, Kill to sing the blues. I want to. I want to. I want to hear that song, and I want to go back and listen to it uh, because I saw it on your Instagram about it being a letter to your dad, and I want to really listen to it uh, and kind of just, you know, because as somebody who grew up without having a father figure in their home, and my kids now have a father figure in their home in in the home since they've been born, I just want to hear what that letter sounds like. I want to hear kind of your thoughts about your own father, right? I don't know if I'm getting too sentimental, but I kind of want to go back and hear that song. Um, no, I heard a... absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So that that song um, that came out and um, it, I love that you bring that song up. I You, you did some research and I appreciate people, that. People know um, I do research. That's, <laughs> I, you, not everybody does. This is, mm. you know, this is what this is what 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 separates the good ones i tell you that's, so that's right um but that i love that you bring up that song so that song came out the the, the name of the song is goner and it came mm. out on an album kill to sing the blues that came out in 2015 and that oh so that's the name of the album actually, yeah yeah okay it, it, it was a collaboration with the uh with uh elronius who's a bay area rapper and and my my old group tubers and that was the last record that came out kind of before everything fell apart for me. And, uh. and that song is such an interesting thing. So that's available everywhere. I think that record is still distributed, um, you know, on every platform. So you can hear it wherever. Okay. And the song is called Goner. And um, that is such an interesting story to that song because that is the first real representation of what becomes fugitive moons you know so i was ah, still okay kind of um in you know we were that's that's a that's a rap record kill to sing the blues is a is a rap record for mm -hmm. sure. and i encourage everybody to listen to it but that song is different on on that record um and 
uh, I had written it and it was a real experiment and funny it's I I had written it it took me seven years to produce that song believe it or not Wow uh, and talk about failure um, the reason it took so long is every time I had written it on a piano and I didn't know what I was doing but I I I'd written this song and and these these this you know like you said this this kind of letter to my father who wasn't there um for a lot of my life and and has since passed away and um it it's so deep and it's so personal i i just really felt it but i i didn't know what to do <laughs> with it and i'd go i'd sit down to produce it and i could never get it right you know i'd 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 set up my project, I'd get things going, and it was never right. And one day, a friend of mine who is another really important collaborator on the record, you'd mentioned the drums, and uh, my friend and musician Ben Course sent me some experimental drum loops that he had been recording, which provided the foundation to the Fugitive Moods record mm. um, that you heard. Um, but he had sent me then this drum loop and it was in six eight time and he, i remember him telling me about it and he was like hey i got this drum loop it's in six eight you know that's a little bit weird but you know it goes like this and he started doing the the rhythm you know like mm -hmm. beatboxing the rhythm and uh it, it was this like flash of clarity it was that i had written a song in six eight and had no idea that i had done that so it had oh, taken wow. me kind of years to to not only refine the music, but fail and fail and fail at producing the song. And finally, once I had this drum loop or this reference point, I was able to see and, and produce the song that you hear on the record. And um, yeah, and, and that was the first time that I, I, I think that I didn't, you know, that it, I, I, that I wasn't, you know, rapping on the song. Erroneous does feature on the, on the song. But um, I'm doing all, all, you know, singing throughout the, mm -hmm. the piece. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was, it was actually really the beginning of the direction that I was going to go in. Okay. Uh, and so it's, it's so cool that you heard that and that you looked that up. And, and I would encourage you, I'm, I'm, I mean, that is, talk about a piece of your heart. That is, oh, that yeah. is a, 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 there is a piece of me floating out there and and that's um i yeah and and make make me a deal have a listen to it and then hit, hit me up separately and let me know what i am you oh i am yeah I was, I, actually i was about to say the same thing so i'm going to listen to it and then i'm going to dm you the, about that cool. i listen to it yep for sure cool, man. man so fugitive moves it has been amazing to have you on and just to learn more about you your music i'm glad i got a chance to listen to to your music i'm super excited for your career your trajectory the things that you're doing uh, i know this is not your first foray into the into the music game so i'm just really looking forward to your journey going forward uh, and what fugitive moods has to bring to this whole creative music industry so uh, so last thing is where can people find you? How can they get a hold of you and where can they find you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I'm on Instagram, as we mentioned, at Fugitive Moods uh, and Facebook and uh, FugitiveMoods.com. Um, that's the best place. Definitely from there you can get to the single that's streaming everywhere now, These Walls. 
Um, there's an e easy link there. You can get a, a free three song EP that I've got set up for people who, who want to engage with me, give me their email and connect directly. Um, you can also pre-order the, there, there is the uh, 12 inch vinyl that's still available, just a few um, from there. Um, but yeah, you can holler at me and, and thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, yes, sir. And uh, yeah, you're doing fantastic stuff there. And I'll hope, hopefully I'll be back. I appreciate uh, it. Be back soon. Yeah, that'll be, that would be awesome. That'll be awesome. I'd love to have you back. So if you could hold on for just one, one moment and I'll close this out. And let me get to doing that. Ladies and gentlemen, oh man, I hope you enjoyed the, and you know, I don't hope, I know you enjoyed the interview. For those of you who were tuned in live and those of you who are gonna watch this as a replay later, uh, man, just give it up for Fugitive Moods uh, and just his insight into, into music, his creativity and his wisdom for the words that he shared with you today. And look forward to, I'm pointing over here because you know, I got it over here, but look forward to that album that he's gonna be dropping next year. And like you said, go to the website, listen to these walls, download the free EP that's on there. Uh, kind of give you a glimpse into his world, check out his Instagram. Uh, but it was great having him on the show. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of We Create Music TV. You can always catch us every Monday and every Thursday for our interview segments when we have you know, these interview segments that go on. We always drop in new content as well from our master classes, tutorials, all types of stuff. So be on the lookout for more content that is coming. And once again, I greatly appreciate all of you being here. And as I always say, peace. I need to come up with a tagline. So I, somebody out there helped me come up with a tagline to end the whole, end the whole show, but peace. That's all, I'm, that's what it is right now. Peace, thanks for being here. <laughs>